Today, we sit down with Twitch streamer Keith of Alohaoe808, so stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Roaming Player Gear. Roaming Player Gear is a tabletop gaming company that provides affordable and versatile tabletop gaming products. What I love about their products is that you can purchase any of their dice trays, dice towers, or any other products and use it across multiple gaming systems. For example, if you've been playing D&D for a while, but you now want to start playing Star Wars Legion, you can take the dice trays and dice towers that you've purchased and start utilizing it for Star Wars Legion. In addition to that, you can buy one of their dice trays or dice towers and still have room in your budget to purchase the core rule books or anything else you need for whatever system you're playing. Now, if this is something that is going to interest you and that you and your players are going to be able to utilize, I highly recommend going to roamingplayergear.com, link in the description, and use the code word ROAMING20 at checkout for 20% off your final purchase. Again, that's ROAMING, R-O-A-M-I-N-G, 2-0, to receive 20% off your final purchase. Three, two, one. All right, man. We're on. We're live. How you doing, bud? How you doing? Man, you know how it is, dude. Just uh, slaying dragons. No, I'm just kidding. We, I, I haven't slayed a dragon yet in Evermore. So, <laughs> not um, yet. And I don't know if, know if I want, want to. to face one in Evermore. Nope. nope. Yeah. No, thank Evermore's you. creatures are strange and OP. Yeah, I, so. I'm, okay, I'm okay with not fighting one. Um, but hey, man, I appreciate you joining uh, the show. Uh, for the folks out there listening, this is um, one of my newest friends, really. We've been following each other on Instagram and whatnot, but we've really started playing together in Evermore. And for the folks out there who know Ray, aka GotDM, Evermore is his homebrew world that he's been running for 25 plus years, 27, almost. I, I, I would, I usually think it's like 30 years, but you know, it's within that it's getting, range. I think it's getting close to 30 at this point. Yeah. Like it, it's been a while and you play um toshiro correct yeah um the original evermore 1.0 as we call it i was the um xanathar's samurai but i wasn't happy with it so in evermore 2.0 was when i started coming up with the homebrew and ray's like yeah let's let's try it out in here and stuff so i actually got into a little bit of homebrewing a character with the help from a couple folks and that's my character in Evermore. Nice, dude. So how, how, how long have you been playing D&D for? Um, I'm a noob, really. Okay. Um, I always wanted to play growing up in Hawaii, but none of my friends were nerdy enough to get into it. So I never got to play till I went to UC Irvine. And okay. a bunch of the people that the dorm were into D&D, and uh, we played a little bit of Dragonlance, but because of school and graduations we never really got that far but that was my first taste was Dragonlance. so that one I, I i hold dear to my heart yeah i read all the books that's when i started minis and stuff so night Dr- dragon lance has a special place too okay okay yeah the the companions of the lance i mean each of those characters is really interesting i'm excited for them to bring it into fifth edition if they ever do, I think they should personally. That would be my wish because uh, 
like I said, that was the start of D&D for me. I'm hoping with Joe Manganiello, his love for it pushes it forward that it becomes like the next big thing for 5e. Because I know that that's his love too, is uh, Kryn. And, and that's something, man, like I think for a lot of folks out there who haven't played or experienced anything in Dragonlance, I mean, if you've ever read any of the books, right, it's, it changes your perspective from a storytelling you know, it changes your storytelling perspective, your player, DM, whatever, whatever you want to call yourself. It just changes your perspective because it adds it. Honestly, for me, it's that quintessential, like nerdy, like this is what fantasy is. When I think fantasy, I think yes. Dragonlance, I think Lord of the Rings. But I, I think of those two specifically because like it just it's it's that quintessential fantasy. It's like the heroes and the villains and like this thing that is. Like you can bite it and it's just a savory thing. That's how I view it. Yeah, it's got so much lore, right? Because it goes all the way back to the Cataclysm and Huma and all that free um, companion stuff. So it's a lot of fun. I would love to see it in 5th edition because especially like 5th edition is, in my opinion, 5th edition has some faults, right? Just like any system or any edition. Everything does. It does. But it's really... Honestly, in the sense of faults, it's not as bad as other systems because there's such, um, like you were talking about, you can homebrew a lot. Like you have a lot of freedom to homebrew and like, and, and a little, and if you don't mind, uh, you know, telling a little bit about your character without going too deep into detail, cause I, I, I respect and understand that Evermore is a, uh, interesting location where the fun thing about Evermore for the folks who are listening, and we've talked about it before with when Ray's been on is that it's so fluid and it's organic and it grows and it evolves because of the players, right? Like the decisions that your character, Absolutely. like that you do as a character influences the world of Evermore. Like you can do one thing and it changes it completely. And I'm pretty sure like, and it cascades. It, thank you. That was the word I was looking for. It cascades into other groups. And I mean, and I think Ray has done a really good job at, you know, with the rule of consent, which is, you know, allowing folks to do this thing only if another group or another individual allows it, right? You know, he's really respectful about that. So that's just, and that's rare. That's rare to find in a D&D game. Yeah. So quick rewind. I got a little off track once I got stuck on Dragonlance. But yeah, you were asking about um, when I got back into D&D. So my wife, who's also in Evermore, she was into D&D memes and she was just dying on the sofa, just <laughs> cracking up. So we had a talk. I'm like, so you want to try it? You want to take a, a, a look at this game? Because you're just all over the memes. Mm-hmm. And I think it, we ran into an or- article about Manganello. Okay. And then we're like, okay, let's, let's, let's see if we can find like a stream game or something he was in. And it was the one when Archon visited um, Critical Role. Yes, yes. So we watched that. And once we saw Critical Role with Joe Manganiello, wow, we we went straight down the rabbit hole. Absolutely. And I went on Meetup and looked for groups. And we found this one guy that was running um, private games. But he was running Swords and Wizardry, which is basically 1E and... I asked, you want to try it? And she's like, yeah, we'll try it. So we tried it. Great guy. We had good people on the table. And you know, a couple of them, Jen and Tim, that's how we met them. Oh, cool. And yeah, we had some some really great sessions. He had to kind of end um, 
his, uh, I guess you can call it his company because he had some personal things he had to take care of. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was our taste. And then I can't remember where I ran into Ray. I think it might have been IG or something. And then I found Dungeon Sunday. And then he came by um, a game at Comic Quest, our local gaming shop down in uh, South Orange County. And okay. I met him personally that one night there. And then when we started a friendship. We got into um, his Dungeon Sundays that he would uh, do with them. Um, I know his name is Jeremy, but I can't remember exactly what his um, his group name was. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so we played in Ray's game. Um, I grabbed Tim and Jen and a couple other people that were with the the one E company that we're at, mm-hmm. and that was our first taste of getting to play with Ray. And then when he did it again with uh, Jeremy and that group, I made sure that we got our slot and we got to continue our characters with him, even nice. though it's it's supposed to be a one shot. And um, yeah, and that's how the friendship kind of grew. And then he had a group leave evermore and he extended an invitation that hey um i got an opening if you want to come in and if you want to bring in a group um we can meet up and see if everything's uh compatible and mm-hmm. we all click and we did that and ever since then yeah kind i've been in evermore and our friendship with ray has grown it's kind of i'm from hawaii so it's kind of like that family thing at this point yeah we're, we're pretty much family at this point our house is is lucky because my wife is into it and I'm into it. So it's not like this household that's kind of like, okay, that's your thing. Oh, you're doing that. Oh, that's cool. You killed a what? All right. That's cool. Yeah. My wife. Yeah. My wife is deep into the lore and I, I, I kind of pulled away a little bit just to get some mental stability for myself. For sure. But yeah, there, there's so much lore in Evermore. Cause like you said, there's almost 30 years worth of stuff. The yeah. players may change, but the lore stays the same in Evermore. I didn't realize what I was walking into, <clears throat> to be quite honest with you, because like my <laughs> like, you know, when I started playing, it was very much a we're learning the rules as we play. And I sure. never was a player. In fact, I was just I DM'd a lot. <clears throat> I was kind of like that typical like, oh. Hey, that, you should DM. That, that that's what I got from your IG. That you were always kind of the guy behind the screen. Always, dude. Always. So when and I saw you come into the in this world, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool because he seems like he's always DMing. So now he gets to play. Absolutely, man. And that's where, like, you know, for Ray, like when I hopped into his world, like as someone who builds out the lore and builds out the foundation for my world, coming into you know almost thirty years of 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 just experience, right? Of just this massive amount of knowledge and wealth of just material and i was like holy crap what the hell and especially you know you you kind of hit on something about you know the familiar aspect and it's like at least for me culturally like that's something where i don't necessarily like i I, it's always been a thing with my family and whatnot it's like when we feed you your family but it's like i feel like here it's like when you play whenever more like you start to become family and you start to really like, and again, that's just my cultural nuance of like being Cuban and whatnot. Like, obviously, like instead of the gaming table, it's the dinner table where we become, you know, right, right. kind of like united and whatnot. It's crazy to think, man, I actually see a lot of couples and, and, and partners and whatnot, like playing in Evermore together. And I think that's a brilliant thing. I, I think that that's awesome. 
Um, but you were mentioning though, that like, you know, cause again, I do like Dragonlance. So I, I do like to kind of like pick on that in a sense, like, you know, from your perspective, you know, how much of a difference was it like when you read, when you were like involved in the Dragonlance and kind of reading up and getting involved in that and then switching to Evermore, like, was there a big, like, were you kind of shocked or were you like, oh, this is even cooler? Like, what were your thoughts on that? So the, the first thing for the audience at home, you got to realize is this is an open world multiplayer D&D can- ongoing campaign. So your mm-hmm. traditional D&D, you get five, six people, the DM runs them either through a module or his own homebrew. Now, imagine you have three, four of those groups running around a world where you, in character, you don't know what these other groups are doing. True. But like Brian was talking about is if I do something that I feel is the right thing, group number three, they feel the ripple. And on their end, it's affecting what they're trying to accomplish. And it comes off as a negative to them. So now they're like, okay, we're trying to fix this. What's impeding my process? <laughs> and it's like, it's, it's a totally different thing. So when we first came into Evermore, we were like little kids in the Coliseum. We were mm-hmm. afraid, to be yeah. honest, because we had no idea. We heard all these stories and yeah, let's just kind of hang out in Candle Ridge a little bit. And mm-hmm. let's, yeah, let's just let all that capital cataclysm stuff just kind of fix itself. And we kind of <laughs> did our own thing. But yeah, we hung out with the Fanghorn orcs just to be away from the mess. And then eventually we got on our boat and we helped the drow escape the the cataclysm and brought him back to Candle Ridge, but somebody was spying on us. But luckily my wife's character was able to block the scrying. Oh, dang. I didn't know that. That basically would have eavesdropped. Yeah. There, there was all this stuff going on and you're like, okay, this is kind of intimidating because in a way it feels like PVP. <laughs> it's not yeah. just player versus environment. Now there's like people checking up on you. It's like, what's going on with this? (laughs) So yeah, yeah, you definitely have to shift gears to play in Evermore. You almost have, yeah, you have to shift that mentality gear where it's like, okay, this isn't your normal D&D. And I think that's a benefit because we often think of it like D&D is just a game versus this is a real, you know, when you're playing in this world, you're playing in a real thing. It has become a real thing. Um, And like, you know, I know with your character, especially like you've had a lot of influence with certain NPCs and PCs in the world. I mean, hell, you've probably like, you have probably um, influenced my character in some form or fashion that I don't know yet. You've probably to, I mean, to be honest with you, like your character probably will influence my character in some way. And that's the beauty of Evermore. Like that happens. And vice versa too, though. True. Very true. Your character will have an influence on mine and other characters out there. Um, I lost my train of thought. No, I was like engrossed with what you were saying. <laughs> no, no, you're good, dude. But, I mean, yeah, you do the normal D&D 5e setup. When you come into this world, you do your character sheet, you roll yep. it up, you come in with a backstory. 
But at the end of the day, like Ray always says, is you make your own story, really. Mm -hmm. He's just there to help navigate, narrate, and interpret some of the actions. But for the most part, Evermore is a, it is a place where if you're creative and you have an imagination of where you want to go with D&D, that's the beauty of Evermore. You're not mm -hmm. stuck on a module track like yep. normal games and and not saying that's bad i played in those those are great yeah. those are fun but if you want to try something to expand your way of playing this style is it because i mean you've seen evermore you've seen evermore east which was what we call evermore 1.0 and then the west which is evermore 2.0 mm -hmm. lending of both sides still goes on because we had a feeling at first like nobody's going to really care about the east anymore because the yeah. west was the shiny object and and it's not true because there's still things going on in the east so it, it's and that's something i want to always bring up because for the folks out there listening it's like ray was really good about dividing it into kind of like like you said 1.0 2.0 and whatnot and focusing i don't want to say hyper focusing because it contradicts what his belief, which is it's your own story. You, you know, you are the, the narrator of your own story, so to speak. Right. But he was, he did a really great job at saying, okay, you know, this season, so to speak, <clears throat> excuse me, is focused in this particular area. This season is focused in this particular area, but it's, it almost seems like, you know, we just got expansions in the DLC. Like <laughs> we just got like new things that now we can absolutely. Play Absolutely. So you were mentioning how I affected certain things in the world. And, and that's what each character has done in this world. Each mm -hmm. character has done things that have influenced the story of Evermore. And that's the cool part. And, you know, I always want to like, let folks know that like, they can do that too. Like in their own game, you can always, absolutely. Create it. You can always create it in a way where you can you know learn about this and say huh how can i do that but for the folks out there like i always try to make sure that like to give them practical tips and practical guidance and it's like from your perspective if you were told hey like how can i do this right how as a like what should i be doing as a player let's say like what are some of the things that you've learned from evermore that if you were to play in another game that you would apply in i, I for me I'm kind of at the point where the DM has to be kind of open-minded to let mm -hmm. the players kind of explore things, even if he's not prepped for it or she's not prepped for it. Let them let them do things that that kind of expand their mm -hmm. their fun, really, is what it comes down to. That stimulates that that creativeness that they have. Because for a lot of people, being creative is hard. I I'm not a creative person in our household. It, it, that's my wife mm -hmm. and D and D is, is one of the first things that's actually tapped into some creativeness. And I mean, it goes back to painting the minis. Um, yeah, she's an artist. I'm not. So I just kind of do the best I can with it. And I've, I, I've improved my techniques. Um, social media has ha helped all of that with the mm -hmm. D and D crowd, the Warhammer crowd. Um, you know, yeah. you just, need to let people have that moment where they get to kind of 
go outside the box and kind of explore stuff. Um, so, so it's almost like they, and, and then that's if you have like a zero session too, right? Where For everybody's sure. on the same page, like, okay, this is the module that we're playing, but is everybody good with if Brian kind of goes and takes a right turn and kind of wants to explore something about his backstory and it's not really part of the module, but it's kind of cool. And it, gives, it kind of gives Brian a chance to kind of express whatever he's trying to get out of this game. And I, I think that's a big thing at this point going forward for me. And, you know, I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that that's actually a really good takeaway is allowing, you know, from a player perspective, talking to your DM and saying, hey, what are your thoughts on, you know, character creation? How far can I go? How uh, wide can I go? What what are what are the creative reins that I'm allowed to have? And if you're not allowed to have it, perhaps discover you know perhaps think about you know going into a, a different gaming group or even trying to say hey you know what like um, hey DM can I do this for my character? Because most time at least I know from a DM perspective like if my player said hey can I build this world? Like, for example, if I had a player say, hey, and this is actually a true story, I had a player, he's of Bulgarian background, and he was like, I want to include Bulgarian folklore in my character and create like a Bulgarian. That's a DM's dream, I think. Dude, I was like, (laughs) please, please do it. I beg of you. At that point, like, can I just sit and watch you? Because then I learned because I didn't know about Bulgarian like folklore. Like, absolutely. It's a two way street at that point. Absolutely. And it's just like, do that, you know, as a player, like taught, you know, having that small conversation can help, but from a DM perspective, and you mentioned something, which kind of like hit me in the sense of like, don't be so don't be close-minded. Don't grasp onto that lore or that world that you've built, open it up just a little, you know, open it up at your comfort level, but open it up nonetheless, so that your players can feel invited. And that's one thing I think Ray has done with us where it's open enough where we feel invited to co-create, if that makes sense. Absolutely. What you touched on is a good point. It, it kind of reminds me of that teacher that had his after-school group, right? Yes. He had the the gal that she spoke Spanish, and then she asked him, my character's Elvish. Can I speak right. Spanish as Elvish? And the, the DM, the teacher, said, yeah, absolutely. So for his game... Elvish was spoken at the table with as Spanish. That's brilliant because it, it just helps that person open up and be more comfortable at the table. That's at the genius. end of the day, if you don't come with a group of friends and you meet up with six people, one of them being a DM, and you don't really know them, uh, being comfortable in front of people and play acting when that's yeah. not your forte, that that that's it's a little intimidating so if you do those kind of things it lets your players really immerse themselves in the game and if you know you enjoy that dm aspect that's like watching your seed grow you know it's starting to bear fruit these people are mm -hmm. into what you love and that that's gotta be a dm's dream it's one of those things is like you know and again i don't you know, I'd love to know what you think about this from like, but from like a cultural perspective, like I personally am waiting for the day where I can introduce my game to folks within my 
you know, cultural community, I guess you could say, because there's sure, some sure. things that it's like, there's a world that hasn't been touched that reflects like my people and it hasn't been touched absolutely yet because no one not that no one has explored it necessarily it's more of that um i can't share in that just yet because there's no one like that they can get like you can travel to that part in my world and you would understand you would see the cultural references and you would see the different things but you you know it it almost is like i'm it's almost like the gift that's waiting to be unwrapped and that's what I think like from a DM perspective, from a player perspective, when you have that open world concept, which I think is kind of like the spirit of this, right, is to have an open world concept. And how do you do it? Have an open mind, have that conversation, you know, like how, and, and I guess my question to you is like, have, do you feel like as a player that you can bring nuances? Cause you mentioned that, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you grew up in Hawaii, correct? Yeah. Okay. So like, that's right. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. I just want to make sure because I didn't want to like, you know, because I nope. know you mentioned that you currently live in California, correct? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So like, Absolutely. how how is Ray, how is, you know, like Ray been when you said, hey, I want to bring these, you know, things that I grew up with living in Hawaii? Like, have you ever done that? Or, ha- or have you like considered doing that? So that's probably a two-parter. Okay. So my original idea in uh, Evermore 1.0 was being a samurai okay xanathars is basically a fighter skinned as an armored samurai and that's not the samurai i grew up with okay it wasn't the battlefield guy it was the lone samurai in the village coming in toshio mifuni style that was my hero Uh, growing up okay so i envisioned that but because of the rule set uh, all I could do was say he looks like this, but on my paper, he was wearing a chain shirt because you need armor to survive. Your yeah. AC is, is helps your lifeblood. Right. So when he <laughs> yeah. rebooted the world, I, I had already been working on something and I presented it to him. And it's like, Hey, can I do this duelist samurai that I've been working on with a couple other people? And one of the people I'll plug is Richard Quinner. Um, he helped me mm-hmm. out with uh, building it off uh, a subclass of the monk. And it made sense because monks don't wear armor. And yeah. that was the samurai that I wanted to have, right? The yukata, the kimono, and that style. And that, that originates from me being a kid sitting in front of a black and white TV watching these samurai shows with my grandmother. Okay. So a, a lot of what's in Toshiro, my my subclass is based off what I grew up with and what I've seen. And I don't know if you got to the point yet in Evermore where there's a soul coin. Did Ray tell you about the soul coin? A little bit. Yeah. He's told me a little bit about, I actually witnessed someone receiving their soul coin. So, but I didn't understand when we started. Yeah. When we started, I can't remember how many months in he said, okay, everybody has to present me with their soul coin. So, Using my family's history, um, I chose the family crest, the mole. And what my wife did was she painted a wooden thing. I actually used the family mole. Um, like your personal, like side. your family. Yes. Yep. This is the Okomura family crest. The Japanese influences is from growing up with my grandmother and grandfather who lived with me. That's my mom's side. 
Okay. And yeah, so I pulled all of this stuff into Toshiro. And Toshiro is my homage to Toshiro Mifuni. Which I was um, going to say, um, I was going to ask that question, but I, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because for the folks out there who don't know, Mifune and, and per, I'm gonna. Pro, I'm sorry if I'm butchering the pronunciation. I'm, I'm, no, that's good. That was um, good. You got it, Brad. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I tr- I try to be very um, very respectful, but this man as an actor, blow like you want just from a just from an artistic perspective, amazing actor. But he focused on so many. Like I mean, Seven Samurai. Yep. The Kurosawa legendary fic. It is chef's kiss. Like it is, it's an amazing film just, and like, and if I remember seven samurai correctly, it was the, that's how, when I was introduced to samurai culture and like, holy. And I mean, holy shit. Let's be honest. Like this was like, what? Like how badass is this person? And it's not like, methodical logical the, the, it was this notion of a warrior who like from a historian perspective especially like like that's my technical background i'm a historian i, I can't even explain it like it, it it like it captured it perfectly to be a warrior but not just like you know you're talking about learn it in poetry learn it in music learn it in calligraphy if i'm not mistaken Learned in learned in every facet, a holistic facet, if I might add, to become this thing. Beautiful. And and Mifune, he captured it. As an actor, he like he is I would even say like top actor in my opinion throughout the the hundred the history of, of cinematic or cinematic history, my top 10. Absolutely. Like hands down. Just saying. I'm not I'm yeah, not so just saying to say for it. For a lot of a lot of you folks that haven't had any Toshiro Mifune history, the man with no name, Clint Eastwood, is basically born from his, his Mifune's roles. Yep. Because him and Kurosawa, they made Yojimbo and all those movies, you know, basically come into the town, the man with no name, and do whatever that story does. And Sergio Leone did the same thing with Clint Eastwood, mm-hmm. his uh, Man With No Name series, Spaghetti Westerns that were born. But for me on Mifuni, it was kind of back backwards because I saw a lot of his other stuff. And then he actually had at least one TV series. Uh, we have like, I think the first season of it. And I watched that with my grandmother. I didn't see Seven Samurai till probably the 80s. So it was interesting because in Seven Samurai, he doesn't play this epic samurai. He's kind of like the goofball character in it. So if you've seen uh, Magnificent Seven, how each Mm. character has like a role and a personality. And that's who Mufune plays in the original Seven Samurai. So it's, it was kind of interesting for me to see this regal samurai that I grew up with. And then in Seven Samurai, he's this goofball character. And it's like, he is. Hey, man, that's not the guy I know. <laughs> he is. But, the th- and but that's the how movie, versatile he is. The mo- exactly. The, and the movie itself was just like an eye opener. Because like my grandpa, um, again, like born in Cuba, but he was a very, like he was taught. Uh, so he fluently spoke Japanese and Russian. 
um, as oh, well as I awesome. Yeah, man. He and that's actually where my appreciation for Japanese and Russian culture began. I would say as a historian, like he kind of placed the seed in me because when he actually was an older man and when he had dementia, he thought that I spoke Japanese. So he would have full conversations with me in Japanese. And it wasn't until his doctor, who was actually Japanese, was like, yeah, your grandpa thinks that you know as well. He just assumed that you'd learned it. to com- like." And I was like, grandpa, I don't know that, but okay. And the thing is, it's like my, and that's where like him and my grandma would show me those movies. I mean- yeah. That's pretty awesome, Brian. Well, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm very lucky. I'm, I, I'm sorry that he had dementia, but it's really cool he had those those two cultures. You know, not not many people have more than one culture. There's some people that have no culture, <laughs> but he, he he brought two to your table, and that's pretty cool. Man, I'm blessed. I'm very blessed, and I'm very lucky to have had him and had the family. You know, be born in the family that I am because. My parents, especially when we when they came to this country, they were like, you know, it's de- it's good to, you know, yes, being American, whatever, you know, what like that was their personal view. Like there's pride in being American, but there's also pride in your culture and there's pride in learning your history. Absolutely. And there's pride in that. Like there's there's nothing wrong with that. And 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 again, just being really from an island culture, you know, Cuba, it's very much a there's so many different, it, you know, yes, there's the Spaniards and there are the English, but there is actually a lot of Russian and Chinese and Japanese um, influence in Cuba, which a lot of folks don't know about. There's actually communities um, in Cuba that, you know, were Russian, Chinese, Japanese, so on and so forth. And a lot of folks didn't know that, but it's because I personally believe it's because of the Cuban culture, it's, it's a very open and welcoming culture that, it, like I said, you know, you come eat at the table, your family, like you step into that threshold. Absolutely. Like, like my, like, like my mom and dad will feed you until you can't eat anymore. And if, and if you say you can't eat, well, have some dessert and think about it. Like, you know, <laughs> that's how they are. And oh, there's just, or there's just put it on your plate. <laughs> very true. Hey, that have w- some more. Don't, yeah. <laughs> that that was my grandma, man. She, cause again, like, I mean, she spoke, she spoke mostly Spanish because, you know, my grandpa spoke all these languages. So she was like, okay, I'm, I'm good. I don't, I'm just going to stick with this one and I'll be good. But she was like, oh, okay, you're done with, food. okay, here's another serving. Like <laughs> she didn't care, <laughs> but, and, and that's the one thing too. I know it's you're like, hungry. You, listen. Yeah, man. I mean, she'd look at you and be like, have you eaten? Okay. You're going to eat anyway. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but you know and you know to go away from that tangent because it, it happens now and then on this podcast um one thing that i always like to talk about too is like you know you know as i said incorporating that into your game i personally think like you should be able to bring your whole self to the game like that's that it's a great opportunity to do that but as a player sometimes it's difficult because we don't know where to start from your perspective, if you would tell someone in the audience or if someone asked you, how would you, um, how would you go about that? How would you go about starting if, you know, the end goal is I want to fully express myself in game. How would you go about doing that? Uh, first, 
first thing you always do anyway when you go and get invited to a table or want to play on a table is talk to the dm mm -hmm. so what i did was i talked to ray and i didn't know what character i wanted to be and he says okay you got these places these are the locales and evermore and he mentioned corvi and he said corvi has uh, an asian influence about it so i let that kind of sit and then i thought about it and asked him can i be a samurai from Korvai and used my Japanese culture as the, the, for that sector of Korvai, not all of it, but mm. for that sector where my character came from, can it be basically the Japanese culture mm. in the language of Korvai where I came from be Japanese? So I butcher it a lot because like a dummy, when I lived with my grandmother and grandfather i did not speak with them japanese so for the younger audience at home if you have grandparents that speak other languages learn it learn it because learn it. when they pass you're gonna regret it like i do so in ray's games i will break out phrases i remember and words i remember and it's not um uh formal japanese because my grandparents and my my mom they grew up on the sugar plantation so it's okay. a blend so it's an island version of japanese so it, it, they are japanese words but the structure is not formal japanese so i will use that in the games and ray you know he he nurtured that he said yeah go for it go with that so even the history of Korovai, there wasn't any history there. So in my backstory, I wrote basically how the present day Korovai came to be. And mm. I took things from history of the Philippines with uh, Ferdinand Marcos, because that's my other culture is okay. I'm Filipino. Okay. So basically I use some of his terrible characteristics <laughs> as what basically the villagers of Corvi finally stood up to and said no more. And that's how modern Corvi is. It, it's not ruled by kings and queens. It's not ruled by a noble house. It's ruled by, and I wouldn't even say ruled, the original families that helped get the rebellion going to overthrow this brutal king. Um, those are the ones responsible for the care of the people of Corvai. So in a way, it's a little futile, but not. It's basically all for loose. one, it's one loose. for all. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, I helped him bring Corvai to life because I don't think they really did much in that land back in the day. Okay. So we, he and I kind of built that part out. And then this year, um, he brought in his Filipino influence of it. And being that that's my other uh, culture that I have, mm -hmm. I created basically a Filipino character. And I'm going to plug um, HTTP Paladin Sina Una because I used his gold known from it. Nice. And that was uh, my 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 Filipino character in a one shot that introduced another character to evermore. And yeah, we, we ran with that. Um, Ray got to tap into his culture too. So it was a lot of fun. That's legit, so dude. That's freaking get legit. That, yeah. If you get that pairing up of player and DM 
fleshing out and building out something together. Mm-hmm. And when it, when it has like a root of one of their culture or both, that's kind of hard to beat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. And I mean, what it sounds like too, is like the first step, like you need to take, right. If, if you are a player who has these thoughts in your head, you've maybe written it down on a piece of paper. You got to communicate it. You got to talk about it with your DM. Absolutely. Say, hey, these are the thoughts. What do you think? Nine out of 10 times, they're probably going to say, run with it, build it. Like, let's be honest. They're probably going to. And the second thing you need to do is, from what I'm gathering too, is like, it doesn't hurt if you do a little history. Go on Google or if you're, or if you're taking it from your own culture, right? Because that was the original question. Like, how do I bring my, my full self? Well, you know, talk to your family and say, hey, I have this idea. Um, I'm playing, you know, because if, and, and if they don't support that, well, if they don't support you playing D&D, then that's when you Google it or go to other family and friends that, that share similar cultural backgrounds, but that you can ask and, and go from there. But you do a little research and say, okay, like, how can I plug and play? That's, I think the key word is like, how can I plug and play this and drop it into D&D? Kind of like what you did you know, your, you know, your familiar background, you kind of added a little bit more research and work that you did and boom, you, it laid the foundation for now this beautiful world that, um, my character may or may not come and visit just because I, I am like (laughs) Dane is, and again, Dane is a dwarf, uh, a specific kind of dwarf that, you know, right now doesn't have any ties to anything, so he's pretty which is much- actually good in evermore yes <laughs> you're not anchored <laughs> yeah no i and that's i did it on purpose because i know that there's so much history that it's like i've already been to certain places in the world that i'm like mm, you know what i'm like i know what my end goal is i know i need to go somewhere but i want to learn other parts of the world before i go towards that end goal and you know as a player like i'm very lucky where the lore from for the dwarvish people like it's especially the family name that i took (laughs) like that has a lot of heavy heavy lore to it which is great but it's also like some big shoes to fill um but yeah i i think it and i think that's a i think those are really the main things right it's how you know talk to your dm and then go out and do the research but honestly I guess the third thing I would add, and I don't know what you think about it, do it slowly. Don't put the pressure on yourself to build this huge thing. Like if you want to add something about your culture or your background to really fully immerse yourself and fully like bring your whole self to the game, add one thing and build it up from there. But what do you think about that? Do you think that's a good approach or do you think that people should say, you know what, build a couple of things and see what sticks. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say one way is better than the other because mm-hmm. basically it, it comes down to the backstory, right? True. So you can flesh out your backstory as detailed as you want, as loose as you want, or in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. It just depends what you're going for. For me, I went loose. Um, I gave the, the structure of Corvai and how it came to be today, just so it would flow with why it makes sense out of character. That guy's Japanese. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why he's speaking Japanese, because this was the, the way of how all this built out and in character, my backstory is short. Um, 
So we came in and my wife and I decided we're going to come in as a paired character, which we okay. kind of often do. So cool. she came in as Rio as the orphan tiefling. So the backstory I had was I knew her mom by a chance meeting at the dock. I helped her with a bunch of ruffians. We formed a friendship. And when she needed to come back to get away from whatever she said, she needed to get away from. Mm -hmm. And my character had already bonded with her. No questions asked, took them in. And then when she had to leave, she asked to take care of Rio. My character, again, no questions asked, became uh, the guardian of Rio and did mm -hmm. his best to raise her up. And that's basically my backstory of Toshiro. There's his, his own story in there, which um, uh, was um, he, when he was training. Mm -hmm. um, there was a accident where he ended up killing his friend in a practice uh, session in the dojo. And that was his stereotypical tragic moment in the backstory. But I didn't go any further with it other than the fact that even though everyone forgave him for what he did and said it was an accident, that burden is why he left Corvai and took Rio. But under the guise of I'm leaving to show her more of the world and not mm -hmm. letting his family and his friends in Corvai know that the other underlying reason is the fact that he had all that guilt with killing yeah. his best friend in training so that started our adventure together and that's when we went west i didn't know that yeah that was the backstory so out of character in character you don't know nothing dane <laughs> nope i don't know i don't i i don't know jack um <laughs> And, yeah. you, and you know, and but yeah, it, it just depends what you want to put in your backstory, how much you want it. So even Rio's dad, my wife did not put down who her dad was. And I ran with that and said the same thing. Ray, I do not know who Rio's dad is. You do what you want with it. Yeah. So I left that open ended. Yeah. And you're honestly and your character is also a, in my opinion from from Dane's experience you're a, it's like you're a philosopher as well which is it's it, it's like at least in the way I saw it like as a character I was like he's the full he's the philosopher I, the you philosopher know what I never really think of that <laughs> well, I never even thought of it that, that. that's the thing though like <laughs> your character when i first met when we first met like in game it's like the philosopher warrior like you don't just and i feel a lot of times people are like oh i'm just gonna like hack and slash and it's like that's very brutish and i mean if you if you have fun playing that i know i have like go for it right but, right right just charge in yeah just charge in you know yolo leroy jenkins whatever you want <laughs> leroy <say>. jenkins <laughs> you know whatever you want to say and I'm, but I'm just like your character from what, and when I see it, it's like, oh, like it's the philosopher warrior that not only do you like when you, and again, I'm just assuming this because I've never really seen you in combat. It's like, not only are you methodical, but it's like, what is the, what is the point of war? What is the point of battle? What is the end goal? And you know what and then from there it's what is life like what are the things like again it's very like your and, and and i love that about 
having the ability, the playground, so to speak, to think like that and to role play that, because that's one thing. And I don't know what you think. I know that we're, we're coming close to time here, but I feel like role play is honestly the more important part of D&D. I used to think that combat and role play were equal. When I started playing in Evermore, I have not even been in one single combat, like, and I've played for and, a couple of months now. And that happens in Evermore. Yep. yep. If you're into story building, um, this is the style that Evermore is built on. Um, back in the day, I loved the combat. My, I mean, who doesn't love a good slash? I mean, you feel like you're at the top of the world. You just sure. killed a whole bunch of orcs and a chieftain and all this kind of stuff. But even though I'm new to the game, I'm at the point where combat has to have some significance. I don't want to just get a whole bunch of pissed off goblins thrown at me just because we were walking down the path and the random number generator says so. Yeah, There's got to be a, a reason for it. And it's blended into my, my character. Yeah, it, He's calculated. He picks his spots, when to go and follow a path and when not to. And that's kind of where I am with him in quarterback his last big thing he did and again working with the dm was he i wanted to basically end the idea of slavery in mm. evermore so that was what i brought to ray we played it out Word. we uh worked through it and after the culmination of that my character didn't really fit into any of the other storylines because the other thing is he's a protector Asimar. That was the, 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 um, the race I chose. Mm -hmm. Um, so the storylines going on after helping kind of phase that out of Evermore, uh, it was a good time to kind of fade back into the East, go back home, kind of, yeah work and he's kind of sat there for months until the festival of the fates and True. again you talk about role play we've had four weeks of friday saturday multiple sessions and sunday we was the first time i think there was combat and yeah i got tell these people are, are invested in it yeah you can tell these people are invested in it because they wanted to be in all these sessions and all it was, was RP. Yeah, there was no promise of combat in any of it. Literally but people RP. were dying to grab a spot in a session, asking to be in other people. And I, I think that's the core of Evermore. We're not the dungeon divers that go in and look for loot and whatever. Like my character could care less about gold. Well, the dungeon that the dungeons that are in Evermore, they're a little. You don't want to go anyway. The catacombs, yeah, you don't want to go to the catacombs because. All right, folks. Sorry about that. We had a little bit of technical difficulties. Even in the age of technology that we're in, things crash. It happens. (laughs) It does happen. But we were taught, we were actually having a really good talk about, you know, bringing your whole self to the game and bringing your whole self as a player and like making sure that, okay, you talk to your DM, you have that conversation, you strike that conversation. I think that's really important. You've got to be 
you know, if you want it, you got to make sure that your DM knows because your DM may want you to do that, but is not going to necessarily tell you to do that because they want to respect your boundaries. But if you want to do that, you got to talk to them. And from there, I think we went into, (laughs) I think we went into, and again, I know we were deep in conversation, so I'm trying to make sure I remember everything, but we same thing. I'm trying to figure out what we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, man. I'm, I'm just like, okay. Talked about that. We talked about like, yeah, you know, researching if, you know, whether it's talking to your family or doing a quick Google search, whatever it may be, research it. And then at the end of the day, the third thing that we spoke about was the foundation. Start where you feel comfortable, like your backstory. You were saying that absolutely that you, you know, you left your backstory open enough that it can be played with, but it was pretty foundational to you as a character. And now you've become this PC that really is integral and has touched a lot of the lives of the characters and the NPCs in the world. And it's pretty cool to see that. And like, you don't get that in a lot of games. So those are like really three easy steps that you can take. Like if this was a, how to, how to get more involved in your game, those would probably be the the, the three steps that I'd recommend. Yeah. You know, I hope everybody can find a quote unquote table that they can feel comfortable with and really let themselves be expressed. All that creative side that everybody has. Um, a lot of us, we hide it because, you know, you don't want to expose that vulnerability of For sure. even doing like a, a voice, right? To your character. A lot of people are not comfortable with all of that stuff, mm-hmm. but be comfortable with, with what you want to do. You know, you don't have to act it out. If you feel like this is a chance for you to finally break into that, you know, that thespian life that you <laughs> feel you missed out on, go for it. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, I, I didn't do any of those kind of things back in the day. And I, and I kind of regret it that I, I didn't extend myself back then, but you know, you got peer pressure and all this stuff. So sure. find a table you're comfortable where you can be, first of all yourself and then bring your character to life where you can just just have fun with exploring where your creative mind can go that's the fun part of D. yeah man you hit the nail on the head dude and like i know um i know for a lot of folks out there right now like online D is pretty much what y'all what we have at the moment like we have this but I also think that that's actually, this is a really great time to start playing D&D. I think this is an awesome time because there's so many resources Nailed out it. there. <laughs> there's so many resources. So, well, not just that. So everybody in the D&D community that I see, they post, hopefully we get back to the table someday. And absolutely, there's nothing like playing live. But yeah. my wife and I have had a discussion with, you know, even though we haven't been able to play live for a year, mm-hmm. the online experience, at least for us and at least for evermore, has linked people better than it had when we were playing live. Because when we played live, we played and then everybody dispersed. That was it. Yeah. Now in evermore, you, you play your shin and boom. Um, raising a VC and everybody's chatting, whatever. And throughout the week, even though there's no games, people are popping in. You know, they're yep. they're talking about their life, they're talking about video games or whatever's on their mind for that day, or they're just jabbing at each other, or they're sharing music, they're sharing movies that they've seen that are great or whatever. And 
I, I think it, it has spawned more of a community aspect, at least in our life, mm-hmm. by, by having everything online. And, and I hope a lot of people in the community get that opportunity that it's not just, okay, show up to my local gaming shop, play my game, and then you done. Bounce. I'll see yeah. you guys next week. Yep. But as you've seen, because you've popped in VC, um, which I is our voice chat channel that, get, that gets pretty packed. Um, just talk about bullshit, whatever, you know, whatever the topic is, you just jump in and just have, have a, a good time with it. I so mean, hell we were, there is, all, a, there is a big positive. There were eight people in the, in the voice able chat. to play at the table. Absolutely. Oh and yeah. There was, there was like eight people at time of recording right now, there were eight people in the voice chat and we were hanging out before we recorded this, like talking about the, yep. <laughs> we were talking about just whatever. Every, yeah. Well, we were having some funny conversations and topics about like, oh, like, what would you do for a billion dollars? And what would you do? <laughs> and I, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't we can't talk about that on this. Uh, no, 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 no. That'll we, be on a different episode. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's a uh, that's for our that's for our Patreon fans. <laughs> Whenever yeah, I start a Patreon. That's for Patreon and only fans. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> But yeah, that's right. So you got to look for the positive in things and uh, everything going online. That has been a big positive. I think, I think the, um, the linking up of people has been improved. Absolutely, man. And I mean, there's, I mean, there's people I wouldn't have played with normally if it wasn't for online, like the streams that we can be a part of the, you know, the, all this cool stuff that we get to do. Like now it's like, Oh, I now have a community that I've built. And that's that that's you don't get that. Like you can get it at your comic book shop or at your game store, but especially nowadays it's like, you know, yes, folks, we're eventually going to get back to physical in-person stuff. But how cool is it to have an online community on top of that? That like, hey, like I mean, whenever I go venture out to y'all's area, like like I, let's I have a let's go get a, grab a boba. Let's let's go eat Korean barbecue. Let's let's do this. It's not even game related, you know. Yeah, you exactly. And that and that's the difference. Like we're at the point right now where it's like, yeah, you might game with your like you might sit down at a table and game, but would you go eat with them? Would you go to a movie with them? Would you share in the intricacies of your life? And like, you know, I'm very fortunate where my first group that I was with like rather my first group as of late, um, we kind of broke up the group for a couple of reasons, but, um, you know, we were like that. We had food adventures, you know, we'd go watch different, uh, um, that's awesome. Yeah, man. We were, it was really cool. Cause we all lived, you know, 15, 20 minutes away and we worked together. That's where we met. So like <laughs> we would, we would, uh, like go to a meeting room or like one of these so that was the dream group (laughs) dude that it was man because like we would we'd all like ping each other on skype or whatever and we'd be like hey do you want to play tonight yeah let's play all right i'm gonna reserve this boardroom like we like dudes would reserve boardrooms that's that's awesome company time quote unquote well it was technically at six o'clock so it was like after everything closed and we would play off the clock yeah Yeah, it was off the clock yeah we were definitely off the clock like we were just at that point it was like you know what like this is the only time we get to play so off the clock let's order some pizza and let's go or like you know afterwards like okay we're gonna go um 
I remember the the My Hero Academia movie came out and we were like, all right, we're going to play and then we're going to go watch it, right? And we were like, yeah, let's go. Like, And that's the thing though. You create that though in the online community. I feel like that's a thing, like especially like whenever we can start traveling, like, yeah, like whenever I go visit y'all, like you best believe like we're going to go grab food or we're going to do this thing and play. Like it's not just about the game. It's about- right. The community we've built yep yeah mm-hmm. um the, the online gaming has has made it where you could play with people that you know on ig or twitter or whatever social media platform that you've mm-hmm. chatted with and stuff and a good example is brianna flame so yeah. she was one of my first contacts in the um dnd community online and we became friends from there and we were supposed to play at a table at Gary Con last year with her husband and my wife and I and um, checking for traps. Yep. Um, initiative order. We were all scheduled to play on um, Masucci's table. And that was going to be the first time that all of us got to meet and play together. And before the online D&D community took off, once that convention is over, you would never really play with them again because no. you're not local. Yeah. You know, Danny, Danny's in England. That's not happening. But yeah. with the technology we have, you, I've played with them. And, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, that that's a big positive that's happened for the gaming community. I remember and, that and con too. We got cameras now, right? So we can actually see each other, not just voice chat. <laughs> yeah, we can see each other. Hell, if you set it up that way, you can see your minis and your terrain if you want to, if that's the type of thing you want yep. to do. Yep. But it's like, you can technically yep. now play every week. You can play multiple times a week now if you want, because it's virtual, it's yep. online. You don't have if to you go want. anywhere. Like, you know, yep. you... Like hell, I'm you. You might say, "Hey, yeah, let's role play a little bit." All right, head into the voice chat. Let's go. Like, let's do this. Um, and you know that you probably have some dice lying around where you're sitting at playing. So, might as you know, you might as well. <laughs> you might as well. Like, and that's the beauty, man. Like, I think you know, because I remember the Gary Con. I remember that because I I remember having it everything ready to go. Like gonna play in these games same gonna play this this was my this was gonna be our first time i was we were so excited and then things yeah life pandemic shows up rears its ugly head (laughs) and yeah man this this you know i don't talk too much about it because i try to make sure that like you know i don't want to trigger anything that folks may be you know absolutely there's been so much but the thing is like we also do have to recognize it's a thing right recognize that it did happen and it's like you know and i think it's okay for us to feel whatever we feel towards it you know i think my silver lining in this whole thing was like getting to know you getting to know ray getting to know all the folks in in that discord because of online play getting to know folks like the initiative order getting to know folks like brie and cameron from the dnd coalition dan you know the inked mage himself like like Having these people in my life now that a year ago, I never thought would be this close. Right, right. And that's the beauty of it. And that's the beauty of, you know, D&D in general, but online specifically. I think that's a phenomenal thing, man. And again, I really appreciate like our friendship. I even, and it's kind of crazy to think because it's like we've known each other, but now that we've played together, it's like, oh yeah, I know this cat. I know like, I know. And it's like hanging out in voice chat. It's like, 
We talk about everything. And that's how you connect and build a community. So again, dude, I appreciate you. And I appreciate our friendship, but I also appreciate you coming on to the show. And I know that, uh, um, I know you, I know you do this for fun, but I know you're on Twitch and I'm going to uh, post your Twitch link <laughs> in the description because I do think, you know what, you spread a lot of positivity, dude. And I think more people need that. And I, I think more people, no, I'm not even, I think, I know that more people need to see positivity. So, you know, if you're cool with it, I'm posting it on so that folks can follow you. Cause like I said, man, you post, you, you share a lot of positivity and we need that in this world. Oh, much appreciated, Brian. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad we finally got to meet actually playing games. Um, Cause yeah, like you said, we follow each other on social media, but you know, other than a quick comment or a like there, that was it until it moved to this platform. So until Evermore, man, uh, ever, evermore did it. Blessing. It has been, dude. It has been a big yeah. blessing. And like I said, man, like I, I, I watched some of your streams like on Twitch and I'm like, damn, like this dude's like positive as hell, man. Like, and just playing games like, and I, and we need that. And again, I appreciate that. Cause hell dude, like even the best of us can, can, can get down and get in a funk. Absolutely. Everybody can hit those valleys. And we need the community more than ever to support each other. So yeah, dude, you know, I appreciate that. And I appreciate you. And if you don't mind, I'm going to post um, your link on Twitch and just that folks can like, just, you know, have that love spread and, and spread and and then be in turn, be a positive uh, or a source of positivity for their friends. So if you don't mind, I am going to post your Twitch link. If you're cool yeah, with that. Absolutely. Um, but dude, I appreciate you coming yeah, on to the show. I really do, man anybody wants to come by the twitch i don't always talk about the game i'm playing most of the time i could care less i'm a social butterfly online so if you just want to talk about hey i caught the awesome wave at such and such beach cool we'll run with that um but that's why i like Brian your stream said, yeah dude. I, yeah it's it's just chill um the one thing i'm proud of of the twitch um account that i got is um i participated in extra life this year oh nice and i i got i got asked to be in a team because we were supporting the same children's hospital and the community friends the evermore people my family um i was able to raise over a thousand dollars and i Dude. don't know at, at that time, I didn't know anything about streaming. It was drop frames. I was struggling trying to get things going. And everybody hung in there. Um, it, it was pretty fun. So I'm looking forward again this November to doing the, that Extra Life Drive again for charity. Uh, please drop a follow um, and hang out if you want. My wife joins me and it gets a little chaotic and fun. But... Yeah, we have a good time with it. <laughs> that's dude. That's, and that's, that's, I love hearing that. And I love that, you know, and again, I like the stream where I get to talk to the person and chat with them. You know, I don't absolutely, to, I care about the game, but that's secondary. I, at the end of the day, we're people like we are, you know, people who, I mean, I, and I'm, I'm the first one to say like, you get on a phone call with me, we're talking, we're talking for hours. I mean, though this podcast alone is an example of how i like to talk and whether it's for good or bad you know it's just i like talking to to, to people so y'all you gotta check out that stream and you know drop a follow make sure you also follow on social media i am not kevin bacon that's actually um, 
I laugh at that because I was like, hmm, are you sure you're not Kevin Bacon? Is this something? Hmm. I always get that. Just oh, one saying. more plug for my Twitch stream. So at the end of the stream, I play um, the screen that my wife helped me make. Um, total local Hawaii vibe. But the song that plays is this guy from uh, the islands, Jordan T. And I asked him, you know, with all the Twitch stuff and whatever, I want to play your song. But with all the DMCA stuff, can I play it at the end of the stream? He's like, yeah, you paid for it. You can do whatever you want. So everybody out there who follows me, if you hang on to the end of the stream, you'll hear Jordan T. Sunset tonight. He gave me the green light to play it. So I always play it at the end of my stream. Okay, so I'm make, I'll make sure to so Jordan Key Sunset tonight. No, Jordan T. Tolan oh, T. As in with as a T. In, okay, T. Okay, so make sure to to stay till the end of the stream to hear that uh to hear that track. That's legit, dude. I didn't I didn't know that uh that he uh, that he gave you the the go ahead for that because I'm with Twitch. I know it's kind of have to jump some. Yeah, it's kind of sketch. I could still get dinged by his record company or whatever. Uh, I know that. But, you know, at least I have that in my pocket where if I get a warning, at least I know that he gave me the green light to play this song because it's one of my favorite jams from Hawaii. That's legit, dude. Now, and I hope that, you know, folks try, try to, if you can, down, go ahead and download that track wherever you purchase or download music from. Yeah, spread um, the love to Jordan T. He makes good music, um, buy his merch, whatever. Good dude. Go, go, go support him as well. Again, we're a community. This is what we do y'all, but Hey, I appreciate it, man. I really do. I'm glad that we were able to just hang out today and, and hang out on this show. Folks, if you um, enjoy this type of content, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star uh, review. Remember to also be kind and compassionate to one another y'all. It's some crazy times, but we as a community will make it together and we'll make it through this. But as always, folks, keep gaming.